Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, just wanted to give you guys an update just before you guys listen to this um, interesting podcast, to say the least. The Eagles extended linebacker TJ Edwards on Monday. This was happened after we recorded the podcast. It's a one-year extension. According to Mike, it's going to be a $2.15 million in guaranteed money. And Ian Rappaport of NFL Network says the contract can be up to $3.2 million. Mike also says that it's going to that Edwards will receive up to $1.135 million in guaranteed money. So we thought that was very important before we listen to this rest of this podcast to let you guys know that was going on. Now uh, enjoy a bunch of random stuff potentially toward the middle of this thing. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Thanks. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike Kay from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles shellacking of the Saints, the NFC playoff picture. I'll offer a heartfelt apology to Jack Driscoll, plus that and much more. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing a lot better now because you're sounding a lot better, man. You sound a lot more clear. It sounds like you're getting over thing <laughs> as Excuse you me. cough right yeah, as that happens. Sorry. That's a <laughs> Is it too late to retry? No, I'm kidding. Nah. But no, nah, man, it's doing, doing overall. It was a, it was an interesting win, to say the least, for how the Eagles uh, wound up with that win, victory, and uh, looking forward to break it down with you, man. How are you doing? Well, <laughs> I'm still fending through this cold, but uh... – I appreciate all the well wishes that I got uh, on social media and via email over the last couple of days. It was tough covering a game from home, a home game from home for the first time in my in my um, seven plus years of being a beat writer. But Chris, I thought you did a terrific job in, in leading our coverage. And look, I mean, it was a fun game to watch, at least from the perspective of, hey, at least we know that we're covering a team that has something – to play for over the next six weeks. Um, The playoff picture is wide open. The Eagles are ninth in the playoff picture right now in the NFC. And remember, seven teams make the playoffs. They are currently behind uh, the likes of the Minnesota Vikings, who are five and five, the New Orleans Saints that are five and five, and the San Francisco 49ers, who I believe are also five and five, 
or five and six, excuse me. So look, the playoffs are there. I mean, the Vikings still have to play some tough teams. Uh, the Saints are 0-3 with Trevor Simeon as their starter. Uh, the 49ers seem to be hit or miss depending on who they play. So um, <clears throat> the Eagles have a very a relatively favorable schedule moving forward, and so it'll be interesting to cover as we are about to take on residency at the MetLife Stadium. You and I will be in the press box back-to-back weeks, which will be weird. But anyway, um, let's get into this, this win over the Saints. And before we start um, – I've got to issue an apology. Um, I'm a big believer in accountability and at NJ.com and at the no huddle show, when we mess up, we own it. And yesterday I tweeted out, I think it was like in the third quarter that on first watch, it looked like it'd been a tough day for Jack Driscoll. According to pro football focus, Driscoll was the highest rated offensive player for the Eagles on Sunday. Now, Again, it's pro football focus. We don't know what their grading system is. We don't know if they're watching it live or watching uh, TV copy or what what's going on there. But they gave Driscoll an 85.9 overall grade. He was the highest rated offensive player by uh, 11.7 points. Um, oh, he had wow. a pass blocking grade of 83.0 and a run blocking grade of 80.3, despite having a penalty in the game. Um, wow. Okay. Completely wrong. <laughs> so Jack Driscoll uh, and his family, I want to apologize because I have been rough on him over the last few weeks, especially at right guard. Um, you know, the past few weeks, he's had some really rough performances, even though he, here's the thing with him. He's always been a very, very good pass blocker, but in runs, run blocking, he has always looked kind of mediocre to bad, and pro football focus backs me up on that. But in this game, in particular, he balled, according to them. Um, he also had his first penalty of the season. So, uh, look, Jack... If you're out there, I will apologize for being wrong. You know, I I'm accountable for my my tweets, including the Chris Pratt tweet that went kind of crazy, and I got a lot of crap from a lot of people with like six to eight uh, Twitter followers. That Chris Pratt is still likable. Um, yeah, I made a lot of friends yesterday. Maybe it was maybe it was taking Dayquil like six hours earlier, and it hadn't worn off, or it did wear off. I don't know. But uh, I mean, I was of sound mind. Don't don't get me wrong. But you know, as we've learned with Jalen Rager, it's easy to blame other things. Um, oh, jeez. But. Are you still on Dayquil? <laughs> no, no, I am of sound body and mind. We'll get into Jalen Rager a little bit later because uh, that's uh, – I'm going to have a segment called Case Take later in the show and we'll, and we'll, we'll talk about Jalen Rager. But, yes, Jack Driscoll, great game according to Pro Football Focus. I was wrong. Um, I will follow my sword for that. And, by the way, I'm a big Jack Driscoll guy. I just think he is better fit for right tackle. He is a very, very good pass blocker. Um, but he has struggled to anchor in the run game. I think he would even kind of acknowledge that. But 
he apparently played very well. And obviously when you're watching the game live, it's hard to see what the blocking techniques are and everything like that. It just kind of looked like he was getting pushed back a lot in the run game. Maybe he was being told to retreat block. I, I don't know. But when he was trying to sell RPOs. But anyway, um, yeah. So Jack Driscoll, I apologize. You had a great game according to Pro Football Focus. Mazel tov. Congratulations to you and your family. Moving on from that, um, <laughs> as I've talked a lot and still very clearly have this cold, uh, Chris, <laughs> give me three reasons why the Eagles beat the Saints yesterday. Well, I think first off, I mean, it's the obvious one is the run game, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper and say that physicality and the nastiness of the offensive line. I think the, one of the byproducts of this team running the ball a lot more than what they have is that they've developed this physical edge and this mentality that they are actually the bullies now, it looks like, as opposed to taking absorbing all the pass rushes over and over again. And you start to see it in a few different ways. You saw it on the time when uh, Jordan Mailata went over to uh, use one you basically went ran over to defend Jay, uh, Jalen Hurts when he was pushed out of bounds by Davenport I thought that was key because it looks like you say hey you're sticking up not hey you're sticking up for a quarterback but you look like hey you're not going to push us around like like what's happened we saw earlier in the season then you go to that the, the it was like like Kelsey was posting for uh for a set up another block but he wound up I forgot, I forgot who it was but he basically with uh he leveled a, a, a good block on a Saints defender. And Dan Orlowski had some a video of that. I thought that was pretty evident. Yeah, that's – by the way, while you say that, Kelsey is the best pulling center I've ever seen. What a pull is is essentially yeah. uh, a lineman goes out of his spot. An interior lineman goes out of his spot and goes to the outside. So essentially he's moving from center to the main outside blocker and, you know – I mean, it, it was what was it a sprint draw? I guess. In a way, yeah. Like it was, it was definitely a delay. It was definitely yeah. a delay. And so he, anyway, yeah, go go into it. But yeah, I mean, uh, we'll link to it in the podcast post for this article for this episode. But it, he's the best pulling center I've ever seen, ever, and he's done this for years. Anyway, yeah, keep you, going, usually Chris. Guard, you usually see guards doing that, right, but to see right. a center do that is is crazy. When because not only you have to worry about the snap, not only and the fact that Jason Kelsey can do all this, you you have to diagnose where the rushes are coming from, where they're going to. You have to make sure you get the snap back accurately, and then take a step quickly out to get out in space. And then, oh yeah, by the way, you can level a guy like what? Not only just not just level a guy on the first block, but set up a, and do a second block on that Miles Sanders run. That, that was just, that, that was pretty impressive on that one. And then you saw again, and going back to Jordan Mailata again, he and Davenport mix it up again toward the bottom. So I thought that was pretty impressive seeing the, the, the nastiness and that edge that this, this offensive line has developed. I think the second one overall is, and it was being talked about early in the season, the second reason why they won, creating turnovers. I mean, the, the Eagles defense did a good job forcing three turnovers. I mean, especially I mean, that's Trevor Simeon throwing a T.J. Edwards interception. I don't know if he got caught looking between two receivers and say, okay, I'll just throw it up and hopefully somebody else gets it. I don't know what happened there. And the anticipation that Slade had on a 51 or 52-yard uh, interception return for a touchdown just to basically bait Simeon into thinking, oh, you have enough cu- – gave enough cushion to believe, to make Simeon believe they could throw it out there to the edge and then plant his foot – and jump the route and return for a touchdown. That showed a lot of a lot of poise. So I thought the turnovers that the Eagles had was 
very was very very good to see. And then obviously the third one's gonna be Jalen Hurts. I mean, granted the two of them were like a sneak sneaks. Uh, well, one the one touchdown was a sneak, but the fact that he's using his legs and setting up the rest of that offense to have success when it comes to the running game, especially, has been very impressive to see. I mean, the, he's doing especially when it comes to that, he's doing two things very well that that I've noticed. One is when he's put basically when it comes to the, the running zone read where they're putting the ball into the uh, into uh, the running backs midsection and Jalen Hurts is reading the outside person, usually see the defensive end or a linebacker at the edge. He's basically leaving it in there for a very, very long time. And that's tough on a defense because they're trying to decide who's going to get the ball, who's going to read it. And that in time, while the offensive line is blocking, it leaves a lot of space open to run. So he's doing that very well. And then he's continuing to, when he hands the ball off to, to Sanders or Howard or Scott, he's taking that extra step once again. So defenses have to respect that because he's having so much success running the ball that's creating even bigger rushing lanes for the running backs to have. So those are the three areas I thought that, that the things things I was impressed by and, and watched in this win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was like – this was a recipe for success in a lot of ways for the winter because, listen, everything's starting to click, right? Special teams, you're seeing some pronounced special teams aces. I mean, Howie, Howie Roseman takes a lot of flack, deservedly so, but he and Michael Clay have identified several special teams aces. I mean, you knew what Alex Singleton and TJ Edwards could do, but now you have Sean Bradley, a four, last year's a six round pick last year, basically you know earning his way into the Pro Bowl ballot, leading the NFC in ta- and special teams tackles, setting the tone prior to defensive drives. Like he's playing very very well, using very good technique and good physicality. Andre Chachere is a very, very good gutter. Like to the point where you could argue he belongs in the ballot just as much as, as Sean Bradley. Zach McPherson has been absolutely terrific. We knew that was his strength in college, but he has been terrific. Kayvon Wallace brought blocks a field goal last week. He's constantly making plays um, as a wedge at times. You know, Greg Ward's playing relatively well. I know Greg Ward's not a name we mention a lot, but he's playing well on kickoff. Um, who else am I thinking of? Josiah Scott is has earned a role on special teams. Like, there are guys on this team that they are prioritizing special teams the way Dave Phipp prioritized special teams under Chip Kelly. Like, they are finding true guys that can be, like, that's their role on special teams. And, oh, by the way, there were so many – uh, points scored in this game or, or scoring possessions that Zach McPherson and Andre Chashir, they're Shashire. Oh my God. I, I got it right the first time. Didn't this time. Sorry. I blame it on being sick. <laughs> um, those guys played 27 and 29 special team snaps respectively. Like that's crazy. That's like normally what you would see on the offensive or defensive section of a snap count. Um, so I think that's pretty Terrific. Jake, Jake Elliott has been nearly automatic. He's missed one field goal that wasn't blocked all season. He's made all 29 of his extra points, and I believe he is 18 of 20 on field goals this year. Um, 
Yesterday, he made four field goals, one from over 50. He's three of three on field goals beyond 50 this year. Just been an absolutely clutch kicker. And it did seem like wind affected a lot of kicks yesterday, even the ones that went in. Um, if you watched on t- the TV copy, which I normally don't get to do, um, like it looked like a bunch of kicks were going to go rogue, um, even though they went in. Uh, you look at the defense, TJ Edwards – I know we're doing K-State later, but TJ Edwards has been a fine. He is playing as well as any linebacker has <clears throat> since uh, Nigel Brown's 2018 season. Um, he's a legitimate middle linebacker. Somehow he has developed athleticism that we didn't know he had. He's making really good plays in space. Um, he made a tone-setting interception to start the game. Uh, so Trevor Simeon was rolling out to his right. Uh, had tight end Adam Troutman, who is a very good tight end, um, kind of running an out route. Uh, his stem was kind of weird because uh, the Eagles were playing zone and um, Avante Maddox had the underneath route. And I don't know if Simeon saw TJ Edwards behind Troutman. Um, I believe that Troutman was TJ Edwards' guy. It's just that uh, Avante Maddox was initially supposed to sell blitz and then came out. Um, anyway, they bracketed Troutman and Maddox was in a really good position to begin with. But when you throw on the run to your right, as Chris probably can attest, it's very hard to throw to an out route when you're running to, to when you're on the run and you can't plant your feet. And so he overthrew him and TJ Edwards made a, a leaping interception, really impressive play. Um, then later, he had a, a really important fumble recovery after Fletcher Cox forced the ball out. Um, he had two pass breakups, including one on a two-point conversion. I mean, he's been the story on defense of the last four weeks, and the Eagles are 3-1. and one. Like, since Eric Wilson's been taken out of the lineup, this team has played exponentially better on defense, especially at linebacker. Alex Singleton, who struggled with tackling to begin the season, has also played relatively well over the last month. Um, Made some plays yesterday. Avante Maddox, who just signed uh, an extension on Saturday. We didn't mention that at the top of the show, but three years, $22.5 million. Comes right out of the gate making plays. He immediately had a QB hit on a blitz. He broke up two passes. Um, he was the catalyst for a pressure. Like, the young guys are stepping up, and that's good. Yeah, the defensive line didn't force a sack. There were five QB hits. Um, and as I mentioned before, Fletcher Cox forced a fumble. There were two interceptions that were partly brought on by uh, – one was brought on by pressure, the T.J. Edwards one. Um Darius Slay is playing at an all-pro level, uh, had the pick six in this one, had his third defensive touchdown, and I joked on Twitter that, uh, you know, he did something that an Eagles defender hadn't done since step-by-step was in its prime, step-by-step, in case you are not aware, and that's a dated reference, um, it was a show, basically it was a modern-day retelling of the Brady Bunch in the 90s, where these two divorced parents got married and had their own sets of kids. And although this was different because they each had like sons and daughters and uh, they were all growing up and it was, it was on TGIF, which back in the day was like the, sh- what you would watch as a family on Friday. So it was like 
Step by step, full house, dinosaurs, and uh, I think family matters. Family matters for sure. Family matters. Family matters to me is like once Urkel got on there was the show, right? Um, and that was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers, I believe, uh, which was a show in the eighties. Um, yeah, because the mom was the elevator operator or something like that. Right, right. Uh, and look, so. So that was that was like the shows when, when when we were growing up. Like that was like that was the big thing. I would sit down and watch dinosaurs, which I made a reference to dinosaurs too as well uh, the other day or yesterday <laughs> as well. I was feeling nostalgic. Um, made a lot of references yesterday, but not anyway, the mama. not the mama, right? So we'll get to that in a second. But um, look, Darius Slay is playing at such a high level that like the talk of oh well, they traded. F- you know, a third and a fifth and pay this dude a ton of money last year. Yeah. It didn't work out, but now he's playing at an all pro level. Javon Hargrave, a lot of people complain about the money allocation with him. Uh, he was easily the best player on this defense for the first, you know, uh, eight weeks of the season. So <clears throat> I think you, anyway, Oh, sorry. Back to the record. I got, I, you know, uh, I was throwing shade there. Uh, Darius Slay scored his third defensive touchdown of the year. The last time an Eagles defender did that was Eric Allen in 1993. He actually scored four defensive touchdowns. So Darius Slay needs to step his game up, obviously, over the next six weeks to tie that record. Um, Darius Slay, unfortunately, left with a head injury. He's in the concussion protocol. We'll get an update on that later on in the week. Um, and then... Look, you flip over to the offense, and I'm leaving the offense last because I think they are really figuring out what they are. Um, Like you said, it's the physicality of the offensive line. Lane Johnson called uh, Jordan Melotta and uh, Landon Dickerson dinosaurs, um, and I said there's no – you know. Uh, there's no confirmation that uh, Jordan Melotta, when he was fighting Marcus Davenport – said not the mama because that was like the famous line from dinosaurs where there was the baby dinosaur and he used to hit his dad over the head and say not the mama because he loves his mama and anybody who's a parent of a young kid his son knows that they're obsessed with with their with their moms um <laughs> funny enough Dinosaurs is basically a dinosaur version of Family Matters. Like, I didn't realize that until I was an adult, but, like, if you really look at it, like, it's basically the same show, only with dinosaurs. Like, some executive was like, look, Family Matters is killing it. We don't need an Urkel here, but we need pretty much everyone else (laughs) in this dinosaur (laughs) show. How can we craft this thing around Jim Henson's brilliance? put these people in these dinosaur suits and relate to all audiences. Oh, family matters is killing it in the ratings. Let's just do this. Um, anyway, <clears throat> that's, Oh, Oh my God. Why were we on the subject? Sorry. This is a very scrambled podcast. Cause this has been a bit since we started and we didn't even mention it earlier in the week because I was so sick. I need you to find some like music for this, Chris. All right. This is a drum roll. Zach Rosenblatt, after 38 months of pleading and begging for him to enjoy life, 
has finally watched Tombstone. Uh, make sure you congratulate him on Twitter um, via email. This is a very important step for him in his life uh, because, like, I've been bothering this dude for like over three years about this uh, to the point where I actually paid for him to download. I have the receipt. Chris has seen the receipt. I paid for him to download Tombstone on his flight to St. Augustine so he could watch it. And he loved it. He loved it. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. If you have a dream, believe in it. Put the effort in. Because you'll see it through. If you believe wow. in something, see it to all the way, okay? No matter how annoying people say you are, no matter how squeaky your voice is, no matter how much you like to make random references to cowboy movies – even though you're actually not that big of a Western fan. Um, Tombstone. Go see it. Do yourself a favor. Anyway, back to you the Eagles offense. Derailed. You are derailed, derailed. Back to the Eagles <laughs> offense. Jalen Hurts. Here's my thing. I get – I totally get uh, the hesitation to want to buy into Jalen Hurts. Believe me, I do. I think there are faults in his game. I think there's faults in his vision. <clears throat> I think there's faults in his passing mechanics. But man, this is a guy who can do so many things. And a lot of people talk about the run defense, uh, the run offense. And I'm not even talking about yardage, but the way that they are able to set up the running game because of the fear of Jalen Hurts' elite running ability is why you're seeing so much success from these running backs. That's why you're seeing success from Boston Scott. That's why you're seeing success from Jordan Howard. That's why you're seeing success with Miles Sanders coming back. Um, by the way, he had 94 yards against the Saints. It's the largest rushing total they've given up to an individual runner all season. Um, Jalen Hurts has the, the third most, and I believe Jordan Howard has this, the fourth most. So the Eagles just completely railroaded uh, the Saints in, in the running game. But, I mean, like, that's what's important, right, is, like, Jalen Hurts affects other defenses. Um, he can he can evolve and develop as a passer. Like, that's going to take time. But what you're seeing now is he's using his feet to set up the running game, and the running game is setting up his play action. And play action is Jalen Hurts' strength. Um, I think Nick Sirianni has felt his groove as a play caller. He now understands what Jalen Hurts is. And I, I think I texted this to you after the game, but during, Jalen Hur- during Nick Sirianni's press conference, where he talked about how special Jalen Hurts was and his special ability, that was the first time I really bought into thinking – hey, maybe Jalen Hurts is the guy next year. Maybe they've already made that decision. So, um, look, everybody is rolling right now. And, yes, they've played teams that are subpar or banged up. But guess what? That's what good teams do. Uh, I've never heard of a playoff team that loses to bad teams and only wins against good ones. You know what I mean? Like, it's not – that's not, like, what the reality of the situation is. Good or middling teams beat bad teams. That's what they do. Um, I'm not saying they're Super Bowl contenders. I, I don't think they have a shot at going deep in the playoffs. But I do think a postseason berth would be a huge step forward for this team, not only for Jalen Hurts, but for Nick Sirianni. And I think that path is right in front of them. Chris, where are you? where's your mind at with the playoff picture? Because I know you've been a little hesitant to say, hey, maybe even if they beat the Saints, this might not be a playoff team. 
I think the path is what the door is widening open a little bit more. I know that the the schedule is very very favorable on them. I I'm a little hesitant within one of these next two games. I think they I think they beat the Giants, and this is going to sound crazy. I think the Jets are going to give them a tougher game than what people think, just because it's right before that bye week, and I'm a little. I'm a little worried that they're gonna. They basically look forward to that because they played a long. They played a lot of games for that bye week, and also, you know, maybe Flacco's giving a little insight to how that offense works a little bit. I'm not saying there's gonna be outright win, outright Jets win, but I think they're gonna keep it closer than what people think. And then, you know, they're gonna slip. Uh, they may be a slip up, and then it depends on what that last Cowboys game. If the Cowboys are playing for something, if they're playing for a one seed, or if even if the Cowboys are playing to potentially get a, a matchup they desire. So I think beforehand, I think entering this game, I probably say even before the Chargers game, I was pretty much saying, okay, they, they're going to be steadfast on seven wins and staying there. I think at the very least, they may be the eighth team out of, at the very least, they'll be eight out of seven, or they'll, they'll be the last team, first team out, or at the very least get to seventh. I'm probably saying, at the point where I'm at 55, 60%, they make the playoffs now. That's where I'm at when it comes to this team. And if Whoa, that happens, that's, hey, that's, yeah. I mean, I'm a 50-50 guy, so you're you're pushing ahead of me. I think they're going to get at least eight wins. Um, I had them at nine wins entering the season and was mocked by other media types for it. But um, And don't worry, I will definitely gloat when I'm right. Um, oh, goodness. But <laughs> maybe they'll have me on, you know. Oh yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I, I and if that happens, turn on to your radios. I won't mention the person's name because you know we'll TV see. Two. <clears throat> yeah, TV but um, <laughs> look, I, I look. So here, here's the schedule. So they face the Giants at MetLife on Sunday. Then they face the Jets at MetLife the next week. Whoever the scheduler, like the schedulers, couldn't even break that up, which is so weird. It's like they're Billy Joel hosting a residency somewhere. Uh, then they have the bye week, which at the initial onset of the season, we looked at that as like, oh, uh-oh, like <laughs> they're going to be bruised and battered. Right now, they're they're not that banged up as everybody simultaneously knocks on wood at the other end of this podcast. Um, and they're surging. So – yeah, it could be bad because maybe it kills their momentum a little bit, but also they're going to get to rest up. And if they get to rest up ahead of the playoffs, you know, maybe they can make a run. If this team, like realistically on paper, the Eagles should be able to split with with the Giants, split with Washington at worst. And then they'll really need the Dallas game. And Dallas might be, you know – locked up in the in the two seat by then um or they might be competing for the two you, you don't know so um making week 17 very interesting that said there is also a road where you're like well they can beat the giants the giants haven't put up 30 points uh more than once in 25 games uh the eagles have put up more than 30 points in the last three or four games um and they've put it up 30 points in five of the first 16. I mean, I mean, the first 11, five of the first 11 games of the Nick Sirianni era have gone over 30 points. Um, they're also terrible against the run. I think they're like a bottom six or seven team against the run. 
uh, oh, by the way, Boston Scott's playing well right now. So uh, there's that too. So let's say they beat the Giants. Uh, the Jets have never beat the Eagles. And based on what we've seen this season, it's hard to bet against history. So if they, they ride a four-game winning streak into the bye, it kind of cuts up their their winning streak. And so you're like, well, maybe they're not like, you know, then you, you got to look at it as, okay, the final four games, you're just trying to win every game. If they beat Washington at home off the bye week, Washington, I believe, will also be coming off a bye week. Is that correct? Uh, I got to look it up. Um, yeah, while you look that up, uh, you know, that's going to be a tough game. I, I'll take full credit for being right about Taylor Heineke and that he's a competent NFL quarterback. Uh, I was a huge fan of him coming out of the draft. thought he was sneaky good. Um, and then um, they play the Giants at home again. If the Eagles are running the ball effectively and scoring points, they will beat the Giants there. So yeah, look at uh, I'm sorry, get back to your thing. The Washington has had their bye already. So Oh, okay. So they're they, coming they're gonna be coming in not tired, but not as well rested as the Eagles. Gotcha. So against the Cowboys. And the previous game will be at home against the Cowboys, too. Okay, so there you go. Um then they play in Washington after New Year's. I think that's probably a loss. Uh I think that's where they split. And then they face Dallas and if they can beat Dallas or even if they don't beat Dallas, maybe they're still in position to get that seventh seed. Uh, because if they're able to rack off six straight wins, that would put them at what? Um, oh, that would put them at nine, right? Wouldn't that put them at nine? They're at two straight wins. So four straight wins after this or yeah. Right. That would put them at seven. Yeah, that would put them at nine and eight. Um, and I think nine and eight, even a winning record, even if they don't miss the playoffs, is a huge success for this team. They won four games last year. There was a lot of tumultuous stuff. Nick Sirianni was getting made fun of for his flower talk, but since then they've gone three and one and looked like a completely different team. Um, but as I ramble, I, I do think the playoffs are very realistic. Again, I think it's a 50-50 sort of situation because a lot of it depends. They don't control their own destiny, really, unless the Vikings, like, bomb out. So um, there's that. Uh, Chris, give me your final talk or your, your final thoughts before I get into case take, which will be my final thoughts. Well, I think you have to, you got to give a lot of credit. You, and you mentioned this earlier, but you got to give a lot of credit to Jake Elliott because to kick in those conditions that they made, I mean, and, and and to be consistent now. I mean, if you look back at what he did last year, and it's like seventy three. He only made seventy three percent of his field goals, and, and a lot of make, he missed a lot of makeable ones. He was missing extra points to now the point where he's been consistent to the point where you feel like, hey, he's going to make this. Is no question about it. I think it's a huge credit to not only Elliott for turning things around, but to Michael Clay and Tyler Brown as well, too. I think that those that trio has done a good job as well, too. And also, you got to give credit to Aaron Sipos because there were a couple punts yesterday that, that that looked very, very good. It's almost it's gotten to a point where it's almost like an extended handoff where you have Sipos at times kicking the ball deep enough, and then you have a gun like Chase Ray going down there and, and is right there. It seems like he's ready to go down the ball, and that and that. 
it's very important, especially when you're trying to flip the field, and especially as it gets colder later in the season and, and you're trying to make teams go on these long drives and stuff or throw the ball in sometimes inclement weather. That's going to be huge. So you got to say Michael Clay's done a great job with a special teams unit, especially with the kickers as well, too. So goes to them, Elliot, and Boss as well. What's your take, man? All right, let's talk about Jalen Rager, okay? I, I don't know how many negative plays one wide receiver can have. Um, first, he had the punt return early in the game where he tried to field it within the four, I believe it was, and then he got to, like, the 13-yard line. Um, the, the Eagles try to use him in pre-snap motion a lot, and those plays almost always fail because no one respects Jalen Rager in pre-snap motion. He had a couple of runs early in the season that were nice, but realistically, his play does not affect the offense. And that's a problem. Um, because he's taking up snaps. He's not producing. Look, Quez Watkins played a lot of snaps yesterday and didn't have a catch. I get it. Um, but that's a rarity for him. This has become a normality for, for Jalen Rager. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, they, they had, uh, Kenny Gainwell inactive yesterday. And frankly, Kenny Gainwell has had a better receiving season than Jalen Rager to this point. Um, I know he's a first-round pick. I know that the Eagles want to give him every benefit of the doubt. But if he's not going to effectively play well on special teams and on offense, I'm not really sure what the point is. Uh, I think Kenny Gainwell can return kicks. I think Wes Watkins can return kicks. I'm not saying have Jalen Rager inactive, but I, I really don't know what he brings to this offense or special teams. And it could be that he just needs to change their scenery, and this isn't the right offense for him. But – you know, objectively speaking, he has been absolutely ineffective when it comes to offense and special teams. And I just don't see a way that that changes with this coaching staff or this front office or this quarterback. And, you know, it's unfortunate, obviously, that Justin Jefferson stuff is a huge deal. But like just evaluating him on his own, it's just I mean, it's getting to the point where he's J.R. Sickle Whiteside and he's not able to affect the offense. Like, our single wide side's been terrific as a screen blocker. Um, he's etched out a role on special teams. That was somebody who I forgot to mention on special teams. He's actually played relatively well, um, as a, especially on kickoffs. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't know where he fits. And I, I, I really um, – I think there need to be cha- there needs to definitely be changes at wide receiver during the off season because really the offense just runs through Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard in the passing game. But Rager is just like a non-entity, and actually maybe even worse, he's an entity that offers nothing at this point. And and you know it's it, it's unfortunate because I really liked Rager coming out. I thought he was overdrafted. I thought he should have been drafted in the second round, but I thought he at least had the ability to be an effective number two wide receiver at worst. Uh, That's proved not to be the case. And I think it's fair to have the feelings that a lot of fans do towards him right now, unfortunately, Um, because I think the people that wanted to see him work out, it's being shown week in and week out that he is not effective in this offense. Whether he can be effective in another offense is a whole other story, but right now it's not working. So anyway, on that note, uh, make sure you sign up for Eagles Extra. 
nj.com slash text. You get two weeks free for signing up uh, with our text alerts. You can send us questions and comments to our phones and we will send it back uh, with answers, hopefully. Uh, and then you can also download the Know How to Show podcast wherever your podcasts are available. We hope you uh, enjoyed this episode that was kind of all over the place, but when I'm sick, I tend to, to ramble. Um, for Chris, I'm Mike. Sorry, Jack Driscoll. <laughs>